Would you take a moment to pray with me and for me this morning? Oh God, in the silence of these moments, prepare our hearts to receive your word. Amen. So this year, as we prepare for Christmas in the season of Advent, which is a season of waiting, not, not just waiting, but, but expectant waiting, like you're a, a pair of, of expectant parents preparing for the birth of a new child. The season during Advent, across our Decatur Methodist family, we are preparing our, our hearts for Christmas, for the coming of the Christ child in our midst, by looking at the life of Jesus, looking back, working our way back to the cradle in Bethlehem, looking at the life of Jesus through the eyes of Mary. That's such a unique perspective in the Gospels, I think. You have to ask yourself at some point, where did all these stories of Jesus' childhood and infancy and, and birth come from? As tradition has it, Joseph uh, didn't quite live uh, Jesus' whole life, and so Mary would have been the one who passed these stories down and told them to Jesus as he was growing up, that told them to the disciples, that told them to the early church, that told them to those first followers of Jesus. And so this morning, as we continue working our way back to the manger, working our way back to that feeding trough in a barn in Bethlehem, I want us to look at a story that is just seared into Mary's memory long into her life. It happens when when Jesus is, is at the age of 12. Some of those beautiful teenage years, for those of you that have been teenagers or raised teenagers, you know just how uh, wonderful those years can be. Jesus is 12, and Mary is maybe in her late 20s. And every single year, Mary and Joseph and Jesus and everyone in the town of Nazareth, which is this this back sticks holler town uh, in the outskirts of the Roman Empire, they make this week-long trek from Nazareth to Jerusalem for the annual celebration of Passover. And, and this particular year is seared into Mary's memory. I think you can see why. So if you have a, a Bible with you, I invite you to open up to the Gospel of, of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 2 here, picking up in verse 41. Now every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they, they went up as usual for the festival. But when the festival had ended and they started to return the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. The 12-year-old boy stayed behind in a city that he wasn't exactly familiar with. The small-town 12-year-old boy stayed behind in a city of 300,000 people while his parents and his family and his relatives and everyone else he knew took the week-long journey back home. And his parents didn't know about it. You can sense the tension building here. Assuming that, that he was with the group of travelers, his parents went, went a full day's journey back to Nazareth. And Mary assumes, well, he's probably with Joseph, and Joseph assumes maybe he's with Mary, and when they get together for lunch, well, maybe he's playing with the other boys, and maybe he's at the front of the caravan, or maybe he's at the back of the caravan with his cousins and his friends. They go a full day's journey. 
And then they start to look for him among their relatives and their friends. And at the end of the day, when they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. You picture the scene here, right? They've got a full day's journey. They can't find their 12-year-old son, and they're having to do maybe another day's journey to get back to Jerusalem. Can you imagine the panic that begins to set in? Can you imagine the anxiety that begins to set in? We have just left our 12-year-old son in a city 20 times as big as the one that he's grown up in. None of his friends, none of his family, none of his relatives, no one he knows is there. He's probably lost. I don't know if he's eaten since we've last seen him. Where is this kid? We've got to find our son. You can sense the the anxiety building, and, and they go back to Jerusalem to search for him, and after three days, after three days, anxiety. After, after three days of, of soul-piercing and soul-crushing grief and worry, after three days of wondering not just where their son might be, but whether or not they might ever see him again at this point, after three days of, of feeling like their child that they so deeply love is gone from them, After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And and all who heard Jesus were were amazed at his understanding and at his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. I think he's putting it politely. And his his mother said to him, child, why, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. That's such a nice way to phrase that. Literally what she's saying here is we have been through a living hell, Jesus. This is great deep turmoil and anguish and sorrow. And like I was almost mourning you because I thought you might have been dead. Did it not occur to you any time in the last three days that Passover was over? I haven't seen my family in three days. I don't know anyone here. Everyone else seems to have gone. Are you just so oblivious that it never occurred to you you might have been left behind? Why have you done this to us? And Jesus says to them, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that, that I must be in my father's house? But, of course, they did not understand what he said to them. And so he went back down with them and came home to Nazareth, which I'm sure was a silent car ride the whole way home. (laughs) And he was obedient to them, and, and his mother, his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for you and I, the people of God. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. I get it if Luke said, like, this was the most scarring moment of Mary's parenting of Jesus. I get it if Luke said this was the most traumatic memory that that Mary ever recalled in raising the Son of God. 
the Messiah, the Lord, the Christ child. This was, was the moment when, when Mary thought to herself, maybe we have just totally failed as, as parents. I know it says she, she treasured all these things. She held closely to all these things. In the same way Luke tells us after the shepherds come to visit the Christ child right after his birth in Bethlehem in a stable, which I can only imagine was its own sort of pain and turmoil and uncertainty. A young, unready mother giving birth to a child in a barn. Mary treasures all these things and ponders them in her heart. Mary treasured all these things. Can you imagine the anxiety of losing a child? I can only imagine what it must have been like, what must have been going through Mary and Joseph's mind for those three days where Jesus was nowhere to be found. This isn't just like misplacing my kids in Walmart for 15 minutes or accidentally uh, forgot to pick them up at school and so they've been there all afternoon and and they're a little upset with me. Uh, No, no, this is three days of losing your kid in a city way bigger than anything he's ever grown up in, in a strange place with no friends or family or relatives around and what must have been going through the head every morning when they got up one more day. What those sleepless nights must have been like. What sort of, what sort of uh, courage it takes the next day after searching all day unfruitfully to get up and, and say to your spouse, but let, let's, let's try one more day. Let, let's try one more time. And in the place they, they least expect it, in the place they least expect Jesus to show up, when they think that all has been lost, that that maybe they are never going to see their son again, when they think that God is absent, when God has disappeared, in the depth of the grief and the darkness and the sorrow, God shows up. I've been reading uh, Rabbi Harold Kushner recently. He's got a wonderful book on, on the 23rd Psalm. and In one of his devotional reflections, he says... It's been said that that patience with people is called love. But patience with God is called faith. And faith isn't just believing that God exists, Kushner says. Faith is believing that God is reliable. Faith is believing that God always shows up for us. Isn't that the the message of Christmas in a nutshell? I I really think this is at the heart of what we are preparing ourselves for as we enter closer and closer to the manger. When we are preparing our own hearts and lives for the coming of the Christ child, it is a reminder that God shows up in the places we least expect it. It's a reminder that God shows up in the moments when we think all else is lost. It's a reminder that it is exactly in those places that might seem to be God-forsaken to us that are actually Christ-filled for us. The beauty of Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. 
That's exactly what Mary and Joseph find here in this moment, that in the depth of the darkness, in the depth of the grief, in the depth of the sorrow and the loss and the emptiness of losing a child. Emmanuel. God with us. In the midst of the sorrow, Emmanuel. In the midst of the grief and the loss, Emmanuel. In the midst of the uncertainty, And the adversity, Emmanuel. In the midst of the moment where we're not sure that we can get up and go on for one more day like this, Emmanuel. In the midst of the darkness, there is one small flickering light that shines forth, Emmanuel. For the beauty of a God who is with us and for us. And even in the places where we think we are lost or that God has lost us, Emmanuel, God is with us. Thanks be to God. Amen.